Episode eighty eight. We're gonna be at a. We should be at a hundred by next summer. You think so? <clears throat> four, eight, twelve, sixteen, twenty. So if we record four episodes, yeah, I'm, I'm not. We gonna cut that out because that was really bad math. I just <laughs> what happened? Nah, keep it. Keep it. <laughs> Did you say four, eight, twenty? I said four, eight, twelve, sixteen, twenty. I said if we record four episodes for five months, we'll reach it. <laughs> But we at 88, so we only need 12, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so in three months, you feel me? By March, by my birthday, you feel me? March Some 29th. Some of that good PBL math. Wait, so if we record once a, once a week for a month, by March we'll get to you? Three. For three months, yeah. yeah. So if we do, yeah, we'll this, be there. We'll probably get one more. Episode 100, we got to do some. I don't know. We got to do some. What's the world going to be like on episode 100? Shit, I don't know. Fuck. We will have a Biden presidency. I'm about to say, when do Biden go? We, we might have some vaccines. And, you know, he announced that uh, within his first, uh, I think, 100 days of office, he's going to get schools back opened up. Nigga, fuck the same, school. What's same, up with a check? Nigga, what the fuck? That's the What's same shit Trump check, was saying. Nigga? Oh, nigga, we going to open shit up. And now, <coughs> oh, that that just shows you, like, this, these motherfuckers is just, just as wild as Trump, bro. Yeah. <laughs> nigga really said the first... His first three priorities for COVID-19, and one of his first priorities was opening the schools back up. Why do you want to open schools? So parents don't got to watch their kids so they can go to work. <laughs> like, it's really all about capitalism. At the end yeah, of the I was going to say, when you, when you look at all their goals, the goals, the aim is to get the system back going in the way that can profit the corporations and the billionaires. Like, that's just... What it the is. The people are not at the center of it. Like, I'm thinking, like, yeah. damn, we still... We haven't built any hospitals. You think about, like... China built hospitals in matters of weeks. We ha- there hasn't since the pandemic. There hasn't been. I don't, I don't. I know in the Bay Area where we're being hit hard, we haven't seen one new fucking hospital be built. Nope. I've seen a bunch of condos and shit and high rises be built though. Yup. I've, I've seen. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that. But like, I don't, don't even. This shit is it's wild, bro. It is wild because Trump was like, "Yeah, I'm trying to give people money," and Biden and the Democrats is like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, Damn, I mean, think about it. We really have made we have made zero strides in terms of nigga in America. They have literally cut physicians. They have cut nurses during a pandemic. Like they was really just trying to cut out the Bates and Berkeley for hell long. That's why, bro. What the fuck? During the pandemic, and now like the Bay Area, like as of now, some zip codes like in West Oakland and like deep East Oakland have some of the highest COVID rates. That are comparable to like South Dakota, which is supposedly the hot spot for COVID. Yeah, like uh, South Dakota is pretty small though in, in comparison to the Bay Area, though, right? Shit, yeah, I think it's small. But yeah. I mean, like rate wise, they're saying like South Dakota is one of the worst. I believe it's South Dakota. I don't know. Don't don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you were you were talking about it the other day. I I, I remember you, you said one of one of the Dakotas. Um, <laughs> but when you think about the infrastructure there, right? We've been we were watching a special the other day, and he talked about. Um, it was doing like a deep dive into how these kind of rural areas are being ra- are being ravaged by COVID because mm-hmm. of you know the lack of hospitals and shit, right? Yeah. And you come to a place like here where we have hospitals but not enough to support the entire population, population right? Yeah. And so again, it's the point of you know when when China was getting hit by this shit in Wuhan and shit, them niggas was building hospitals from the ground up. Here, it has not happened at all because again, right? It's not about protecting the people getting keeping us healthy keeping us alive surviving until eventually to a state of thrival right it's all about what corporations the system the system capitalism the ruling class and one percent 
You know, people love to praise uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, um, who is the governor of California. And they, they, they like to praise him and say, oh, he's doing such a great job. Like this motherfucker literally just gave like small business loans to companies that he co-founded. Over $3 million of small business loans to companies he co-founded. Whittle is over here dining in Napa with big ass parties at his winery, you know, or near his winery and shit like that. Like, they show us every day what their motive is, what what they want to center, what they believe is valuable, and it's not people. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's the production that people can provide. It's the fucking contribution to the system that people can provide. Period. And we have to be able to identify exactly what is going on. Capitalism you know? is all about fueling their lifestyles. And we're in so-called. <laughs> You know, the the progressive California, the blue state of California, and this is what's happening here under a Democrat-controlled city, under a Democrat-controlled state. You feel me? And when you y'all, wake up. Everyone was saying that the Democrats is going to make this shit better, that, oh, Trump is out of office now. Like, nigga, look at what Gavin Newsom is doing here. Look at what the fucking politicians in the city of Oakland did when they let the cruise ship. Oh, each level, bro, from the highest up of the presidency to the fucking mayors and local governors and all that shit, bro. And, like, nigga... There was a study that I recently saw that basically was saying that like moderate Democrats are the same as conservatives. Like, nigga, the shit we've been telling you is true. If you didn't believe us, nigga, there's white people's studies that are saying that shit now. And what look happened? at the way the Democrats are treating us. They're killing us. They're killing us. What happened us to all that shit the they, the was, they was preaching during the campaign run and all that shit? And then they get back and say, my first, hey. my, my priorities are, <laughs> my priorities are getting the schools open, getting motherfuckers back to work. What? Niggas was talking about pushing Biden left, nigga. That motherfucker is over here appeasing the conservatives because he is a conservative himself. So we got to really understand what the fuck is going on if we're going to try and combat it and be able to build something new. We got to be able to identify the fucking problems that we are seeing. Thousand percent. You know, I know we just went into a little COVID spill, but that's, that's the shit that we- <laughs> It's, I mean, it's going on, bro. It's like it's a daily life, bro. It's a daily life. It's a daily anxiety for many of really us. They do a really good job. They do a really good job of like forcing us back into these routines of keeping us fucking with you know occupied with sports, entertainment, and the the everyday perils of trying to survive capitalism. That you know it, it's it's fucking hard to take a step back and really look at what's happening in the world from like in its entirety. And on a case by case basis, like it, it, it can get overwhelming, and you know they it's a it's a well oiled machine. We talk about it all the time. They they sell us these dreams, and the whole time, and it's like behind closed doors and in front. Like they tell you one thing behind closed door, they do something different, and right before your eyes, they do something different. All this, all the dreams they sold niggas of fucking universal health care, of fucking abolishing the police, of uh, getting folks money. It's not happening. It's not happening. We going we going we going to do the same shit we've been doing. Ha, guess you dumb too. Biden over there smiling as he appoints, you know, the attorney general of California to a position (laughs) as Kamala Harris as the former attorney general of California as a vice president over here appointing prosecutors as (laughs) attorney generals and shit for this, for the, for the country. So brother, this motherfucker showing you that he pro police in every level and every aspect. He's showing you that he is pro Racism in every level Who's of been every pro aspect. People? That's what I need to know. Like that shit just don't. Ain't, exist. ain't no such thing as an American president who was pro people. <laughs> Fuck at all. So we just got to be able to identify it and be like, nigga, this is what it is. And now we gotta. You feel me? We can't. We can't sell each other these fake ass, facade ass dreams of neoliberalism or Negro liberalism as, <laughs> as y'all like to see it as. Like this shit gotta go, bro. Think of the in, way in the, its entirety. Think of the way the wealthy have been impacted by 
the pandemic, right? Like you see these niggas still having parties. They still able to take. They still able to take their vacations. They getting. They getting wealthier. The they have not been impacted at all in comparison to the poor. Nigga, I lost a job. I know a bunch of people that's on unemployment. Like we, there are the, there are many of us, millions of us who have actually had to suffer at the hands of a system not being designed for us. Motherfuckers don't got health care. They going to fucking the hospitals and getting turned away. Niggas on ventilators and cars and shit. Come on, what? And my, motherfuckers are still selling us shit. The Christmas fucking propaganda is going long and strong. Nigga, it's still a bunch of deals. Black Friday still happened. Millions of people on unemployment. Nigga, we damn near in the Great Depression. We used, the, the city of Oakland. The city of Oakland is in the worst recession it's ever been in. Before it's worse than the Great Recession, the Great Depression, or whatever. And yeah, we in a we in a, a position through it, having worked multiple jobs over years that we're able to have a little bit of financial security and safety. Not much, right? But niggas have some type of like you know we still got a roof over our head. Although I lost my job through again working multiple jobs over the course of years, I do have. A situation where I could afford some health care for at least a year or so, but who fucking knows what happens after this? And we, when I think about the amount of time that I've worked over the amount of money that I made, knowing that every dollar that I've accumulated is again being pumped into a system that's designed for my oppression and my people's oppression, and also all the every dollar that I make is being used to fund these niggas' lifestyles. Period. And you had to work multiple jobs because you was being exploited and your labor was being exploited. Come on. <laughs> so. Yeah, we went into a COVID and capitalism spiel, but, you know, we, that, this shit's all connected. That's, that's we, everything about to you. talk about is all going to be connected. That's hella black for Period. you. <laughs> Y'all tap in with those last two episodes, the one with Offset Jim. What was the one after that or before that? We did the one with Election Jim, Day post. Post election yeah, day tap in with our last yeah. two. Tap in with that. Tap in with our Patreon. Shout out to all the Patreons, Patrons, Patreon.com, slash Hell Black Pod. Fuck with us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at. Rock with us, you feel me? Um, shout out to everybody who've been posting. They they Spotify wrapped. It's been dope as fuck seeing y'all y'all posting and us being in y'all, you know, top binge podcast or you know your top five shows, your top show. I appreciate y'all. So if if you if we in your Spotify top or your Spotify wrapped, post that. You feel me? Tag us at Hello Black Pod on Instagram at Twitter. Show us some love. We we appreciate the love. You feel me? That's that's the only way that these black radical platforms, you feel me, can can, can get boosted to the masses is when the people show love and the people, you feel me, post our shit. So thank y'all for rocking with us. You feel me? Uh, Hello Black Pod. You feel me? Go follow us on social media. Post the episode at Hello Black Pod and, and you know become a patron. Patreon.com/slash Hello Black Pod. And I haven't said this for a while. Um, you know. So I don't want niggas to think shit has changed, but if you if you are a European, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash hellblackpod and pay the fuck up. Stop listening to this black shit for free. Educate yourself and pay up, nigga. This shit ain't for free. Bro, everyone gets all I don't know a teacher that don't get paid. They might be underpaid, some might be overpaid, you know, them tenure professors at them UCs and shit might be overpaid. You know, it's, it's some high school teachers that might be overpaid. There's some elementary school teachers that might be overpaid. But everybody get paid to teach and that's what we doing right here. I don't, niggas is trying to teach at least. I, hopefully, you know, we, people be listening. So I'm, I'm assuming y'all learning something, gaining something from this. And also, share our shit. Like, the fucking liberal and conservative propaganda machine and right-wing propaganda machines have Big ass platforms, big ass we platforms, and multi-million dollar marketing budgets. <laughs> There's a reason why you always see that propaganda. 
<laughs> it's because they had millions of dollars behind that shit. You feel me? So fuck with us, man. Fuck with us. But um, no, I'm I'm excited for this episode. This is a episode that I think we talked about probably like six months ago. I think an idea you had was like, hey, we should just switch off interviewing each other, like so niggas can get to know us a little bit more. Upbringing, you know, the shit that kind of has made us into the people that we are today. Yeah. Um. So this is this is a, a step bros part one. <laughs> we can't do. Uh, that. We ain't, I don't know about step bros. A lot of people have used that. We, for real. We way more original than that. Oh yeah. Well, oh, this is just the intro to Hella Black. Or I'm gonna eradicate the what I just said. We'll just go delete that. But step bros nah. is cool. It's just not as it's, you know. It's, it makes sense, but it ain't as original. I've seen people use it before. Motherfuckers might think we copying them. That's not what the case is at all. <laughs> I feel like some frat niggas might have used that before. I know for some, real. Yeah, like bros, ain't that what the? Sh- I, don't, I don't know. I just know I when I sent Shira, I sent Shira that holiday card. She called us no, step bros. Yeah, I mean, because the the way that we posed was uh, um, an ode to the fucking the movie. Yeah, but yeah, if we call it step bros part one, I don't know. Maybe whatever. You know, this is I, before we start. Though I think. The reason why this is important is because if you don't tell your story, people will tell it for you. Um, I think also you and I have been successful and have failed at um, trying to be like low key and centering the work that we do as opposed to like propping ourselves as as things. I know there there have been times where I probably have been egotistical in both my political education as far as like teaching folks and also in organizing spaces but for the most part i really have tried to center the work and and not position myself as uh end all be all as perfect um and there have been moments when i I fell victim to respectability politics and identity politics and purity politics um but that's all to say like the the reason why i think this shit is important in addition to like not letting folks tell your story for you is that with each Folk that with each person or group that has played a, a a role in my radicalization, it's also been a I've had like a personal kind of connection to them through getting to know who they are as people and not just so much the theories that they preach. I think so much of who we are has been reduced to, oh, these are the niggas that say this, these are their politics and it could be detrimental to like, you know, being able to build that communal connection because I think to build that communal connection, like folks gotta see themselves in you. Um, you got to humanize yourself in a sense. People got to see your full humanity and not yeah. just like pick parts of it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's why I was like, nigga, I think we got to tell our stories. I feel like we've touched on them at different times and there are people who are closer to, I think that's why people who are closer with closer to us engage us in certain ways, right? Like whether it would be like the PBO core team is, you feel me, going to engage niggas different than volunteers might engage niggas because just of that kind of like dynamic and structure, right? Like when you are when you haven't had the opportunity to like build with folks in that in that capacity and you know hang out with niggas outside of the the typical like organizing work there's that just that you know and then niggas have some type of like public persona you know like especially um you know being more visible online and stuff like there's just you know you start to lose your humanity and you start to lose that sense of i don't know being like a normal person and i think that's important so we so that we can show people like we regular niggas and this like regular people are, are who movements go through. Like you don't gotta be no fucking 
like the liberals make it seem, right? Like that's the liberal shit. They always try to make like, it's like this extraordinary Negro. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like this, this, this social media industrial complex <laughs> in some ways are like people, people will prop you up in a certain way, even though you don't want to be propped up in that way at all. You know what I mean? It's just about doing the work, you feel me, and making shit happen. And then because of that, sometimes like a lot of your shit just get erased. Like people just treat you a certain type of way based off of, you know, shit, prejudgments about you. You know, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think it is definitely shit we've talked about. You know, but not everybody who listens to Hell Black is going to listen to all eighty-eight episodes. You feel me? Facts. Like, because if you you feel me, if you've been listening, you know, a lot of this shit is isn't new. You know, but I think it's good for us to like for for us to tell our story. You feel me? For us for people to know, you know, who we are in in, in the multiple facets of our life. You know. Multiple facets. It's like it's not like niggas came out the womb, some revolutionary, and had our fist up, and our first words were black power. Like niggas <laughs> grew into this politic, and they're still growing into a politic, and it's still learning day in and day out. You know what I mean? And that's something that I value is the the ability to still be learning every single day. And and you know, niggas have been doing this work for a minute, but not that long compared to <laughs> you know what I mean. Like our elders, and just realizing you know shit, the faults I've made. The mistakes I've made, the errors I've made, you know, in terms of my own political education process and shit like that, you know. Yeah. So I think it's important to talk about the complexity of things so niggas could fully understand, you know, um, especially in this in this moment of, you know, the quote unquote thought leaders, but also like disposability politics where people just want to dispose of folks. Yeah, you know, I think it's important for people to understand the full, full nature, you know, the full upbringing of people, you know. Um, so yeah, we, we should start with, uh, some, some black joy. Yeah, but I, I, I got one. All right, yeah, you go ahead. Um, my cousin, Shira, Shyan G, she was in the top 10 Bay Area albums on KQED. That's so that was a, Shout a, out a joy, joy moment for, for myself and joy, you know, for Shy and happy for Shy with that. So congrats, Shy, if you're listening. Um, yeah, congrats. Any other? Well, you got some black joy. Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, bro! I don't fucking. You know, got bro. some nice new sweatshirts. You know what I mean? Some some yeah. nice new Christmas sweatshirts. <laughs> Shout out, Jacqueline. Um, I don't know, bro. I've been pretty just like really wrapped up in in work. To be honest, um, yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, I haven't really. I haven't done it. My work brings me joy, but also that's just like, I don't know if it's more joy or kind of like the the fucking happiness of knowing that I bought myself more time. You know, like every time I complete a project, every time I make more money, that means I bought me more. I've bought me more time from being at the poverty line. That's just, and I, don't, I don't know if that's like trauma or if that's actually my, my, my fucking reality, but I mean, it's the way I feel, so it's real. Um, and so... Yeah, anytime I get closer to getting the project done, that means I'm going to get paid. It means that, you know, I'm going to increase my quality of life. That's what brings me joy. So, you know, we've been working really hard on on, on multiple multiple projects. And so, yeah, that's that's my joy is uh, having a roof over my head and having food. Capitalism is fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but that shit is real. Yeah. <laughs> shit I'm going. Real I'm look, I have something I'm looking that forward to. I'm going to Tahoe with my family at the end of the month. That's that's something I'm 
I'm happy about. When was the last time we recorded? Was that was with Jim? With Jim? Was that before or after Thanksgiving? <sighs> or the holiday? Whatever. I think it was before. So yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not about to make no joy up. My that that was my joy right For there. So, so episode 88, hella black. Now tapped in to the personal autobiography. No. <laughs> uh, this shit is funny though, because like we, I'm really about to interview you. This shit is just like, <laughs> I know. we've done 88 episodes. It is like, oh fuck, I'm about to interview Delancey Parham. Um, uh, that's so how our relationship started. I interviewed you for yeah. No, that's why it, for it's uh, kind of like a, a, a full circle moment. Five five years later, it's only my <laughs> second ever. Like my yeah, it's only the second time I've ever been interviewed by myself. Every interview I've done has been with you. Yeah, like this is the only one I've ever done by myself. It's hella weird. It's hella weird, awkward. Because <laughs> it's like even the first question, what was it like growing up in Oakland? I don't know how to fucking answer that. <laughs> and, and I got, I got decent memory. I don't know. People say I got bad memory, but I don't know. But you, you, you grew up memory. in Oakland. You grew up in, in, in North Oakland. You know, that's something that you know. I know you take a lot of pride in and, and yeah. things you've told me about it and, and being able to, you know, like in the height of Oakland. You feel me? Where like North Oakland was still hella black and shit, and you was able to walk down the street and you know, what do we see? All your cousins from block from block. Yeah, that, and shit. that's that's what you I was. Know. I would say like I think anybody. That grew up in Oakland, fucking, yeah, like from the fucking like fifties to two thousand and like ten maybe, um, that shit was just like you just knew everybody, bro, or you the you knew somebody that knew somebody, and so it, I don't, it was it was lit, bro. Like I look back at my childhood, I spent a lot of time riding bikes, I spent a lot of time at the park. I spent a lot of time playing sports, just hanging out, like really just being outside, bro. Like really, really being outside between like North Oakland, West Oakland, and South Berkeley. I had a few relatives that lived in the East, but 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 not many. Most of my family was like Northwest and South Berkeley. And so spending time in you know, that shit was just and then you you seen like last week we gotta go to, we got we got a chance to like go around North Oakland. I got to show you like all right, this is the street that I lived on, then this one of my cousin lives right here, my cousin lives right here, my grandma lived right here. Like, I really had both my grandmothers in, like, a 10-block radius, and then I had hella cousins, like, living a block away, two blocks away, three blocks away, and so that shit was lit, bro. Like, I, look, I, look back at, I look back at it now, and that was a special time, because I don't know if it's ever going to be like that again. The East still got remnants of it, though, you know, like, the deep, for sure. I think, like, once you start getting... Past the seventies, you'll start seeing like a lot of those neighborhoods are are still central, um, are are still like black, and um, like we we was in you know by your auntie house, we went to the nineties too, and you will see like niggas is still outside, like you not the way the niggas still outside in the east, you're not seeing that in the north, in some pockets in West Oakland, but West Oakland so gentrified, like you maybe see some of it in the bottoms and the Acorn, but other than that, that shit is just so gentrified. So growing up in the town was. Especially in North Oakland, I was I was lucky because I had so many friends and family, and I was just able to fucking go everywhere and see hella black people. That yeah. shit was lit. Not the same no more. <laughs> you probably couldn't get away with shit with all your family everywhere, bro. I remember. <laughs> oh yeah, I seen Delancey outside no, past nine o'clock. You gotta yeah. realize, bro. Like my family was like you. You got to, my family was one of the first North Oakland families. You feel me? So it was like, yeah. nigga, they all. You know what I'm saying? Like they 
and then my you know my grandmother had fucking five my great grandmother on my you know on my dad's side had five kids and then they all had kids so it was just i remember one time me and this nigga dizzle you feel me we cut in school in high school we so green, you feel me? I don't know. I never <laughs> went to, like, you feel me? I lived in the North, but the Basau Berkeley border is, you feel me? Right there. Right there. So my mom sent me to Berkeley schools, you feel me? Because of, you already know how Berkeley is, even though it's five minutes away, it's way more resources than a Santa Fe. Hella good schools. Than a fucking, yeah. uh, what was the other one? Uh, fuck, what's the one on fucking Adeline? It was like Santa Fe, you had Santa Fe, you had Hoover, you had Anna Yates. And so, like, those like the elementary schools that I probably could have went to because it was the closest to to, to me but uh, Berkeley just had way more resources and my mama was like feel me young as fuck didn't want me to grow up the way that she grew up and sent me to Berkeley schools but so I went to Berkeley schools all through fucking middle through elementary middle school high school anyway me and this nigga Dizzle was cutting school we going to my mama house we got we with some girls and you feel me at this time I live in, in the east on seminary and nigga we get off the bus and like Taz roll like unmarked cars you feel me Taz roll up and niggas like, what the fuck? So we just keep walking because Taz do this shit all the time. We on seminary. We don't know what's going on. But they get out and they own us. They like, what the fuck? Where y'all, where y'all going? Get in the car. Get in the car. It's truancy. Niggas so green. Didn't go to no Oakland schools. We didn't even know truancy fucking existed. And so they take me to where is fucking West Oakland Middle School, I think now. Right where, where that's the school that's across the street from there. The school your granny worked at, right? Yeah, mine with the king. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think West Oakland Middle is across the street from there. Yeah. And so... I don't know what it was at the time. I'd have been like Kip or some shit. But anyway, Truancy was on their campus and I walked in and I got the same name as my daddy, bro. So the lady like, oh, I know your grandma. So instead of calling my mama who I wanted them to call because I wouldn't have gotten in no trouble, they called my granny. Just all three. So that's to the point of like, yeah. Like, you couldn't do shit. Couldn't do shit. Like, I was so bad. Like, oh, Delincey? Oh, okay. They didn't do protocol. Like, yeah. protocol is to call my parents. You feel me? Like, call my mama or my daddy. Like, would have been fine with that, but they called my grandma. You feel me? So the, the story ended right there. <laughs> I was hella bad, bro. Like that's like, like I don't know if I want to use the word. I don't want to use the term bad, but like, boy, I was in some shit growing up out here. Swear to God, I, I was I was in some shit. Sometimes I wonder how I'm still alive and how I'm like. Like I I truly believe, like, like we talked. To, I don't know. We went through our own little situation, but like, there's some things I've done. You know, like little, like just typical nigga growing up poor in Oakland shit. You feel me? Like then stole from niggas, then broke into people's houses, all type of shit. Like I really wonder, like what niggas really have me in some of these spaces if they knew my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like I look back, like oh maybe yeah. I shouldn't say some of this shit because niggas might want to remove me from my organization. <laughs> like, you know, but but bro, I was just that's another thing. Like bro, I was the kid of fucking. My mama had me when she was seventeen. Nigga, we was poor. You feel me? Like. But it was lit. I really didn't know I was poor until I started going to Berkeley schools. Starting to see money and shit like that. Yeah. Yep. Especially Berkeley. There's so much money. You feel me? And you know you know what Berkeley is like. You you feel me? Cal Campus is right down the street from the school I went to. I went to Arts Magnet. You feel me? Which is fucking in North Berkeley. The affluent part of Berkeley. Not just like all Berkeley got money, but North Berkeley. North Berkeley is a whole area, different type you know, of Berkeley. It's a whole like. different thing. So you got to think. You seeing your people get picked up in their Subarus and they fucking new Hondas and Mercedes Benzes My mom is You feel me I was catching a bus And then finally my mom Got a car And that shit was a bucket If I look back Think about it now She probably paid 500 For that motherfucker You feel me Like I used to be embarrassed My mom came to pick me up From school If I went to Santa Fe Or something It would have been normal You know yeah. what I'm saying Cause like that's where Poor black people went But I was in this fucking Going to this fucking school I used to be dumbass embarrassed So yeah Like niggas was Yeah poor black in Oakland yeah. But I didn't know it Until I went over there Yeah I know that's something You talked about though Is you know Being mad that you didn't Go to Santa Fe Cause that's where like all your cousins went 
You know what I mean? All your friends and shit. I mean, like, being from North Oakland and going to Santa Fe, that's just, like, damn near. The staple. Yeah, like, you go to Santa Fe. Or, like I said, Anna Yates, which is, like, kind of right around the corner. Or Hoover, which is, you feel me, in West Oakland, but that shit off, like, 38th or 37th or some shit like that. So, it's like, you know, that's where where niggas are supposed to go. But, again, I think my mama was just trying not to send me in whatever path her and my dad did. You feel me? She was young and, again, probably falling victim to respectability politics. And some truth to it, though, because... You know, um, she probably wanted what's best too. Also, like, yeah, she knew well, Berkeley schools had better. Yeah, like that's just that's fact, just, right? Like, like that's I'm, just like straight some mom shit. Like, hey, I'm trying to send my kid to the best. And I went. You feel me? I told yeah. you I went to. It was called Berkeley Arts Magnet, and it was really an arts school. You feel me? Like I was doing drama, nigga, drumming, fucking dance. Like, they was hella big into literature, which I realized like that's where I really started like developing my my uh, my um my liking for for writing and reading and shit. So it, it worked out, but. I used to be hella mad, bro. I remember my mom was like, if you keep getting in trouble, I'm missing you in Santa Fe. I think I got suspended five times. Like, <laughs> he was like, all right, bet. <laughs> and then she was like, I think she realized what she said to me, and she was like, nigga, I'm not about to send you there, so you might as well just stop. You feel me? I went to North Oak. I went to kindergarten. I went to a school in the North. I went to St. Martin de Porres, which is that private school on 40th across, like, kind of parallel to yeah. Marcus Books. I went there in kindergarten. That was a private school, but a lot of North Oakland, a lot of, like, North Oakland people went there. And so, yeah, I used to be hot. I used to be hot. Yeah. And then you played sports growing up, too. I know you talked about, like, how, you know, like, Pop Warner football was really big and, and, and community building and whatnot for you. Yeah, we got a chance to talk to that to talk about that with that nigga Josh, huh? And, yeah, bro, Pop Warner football was hella big. And I come from the lowest of keys, I come from a football family. Like, I think Ryan might have been the first person to get a scholarship out of my family. But he wasn't he, – he was, I don't think he was the best player. Like, that nigga Hassani was hella good. And then Hassani older brother Graylin – um, he he was hella good at football. Um, mind you, know, they brothers. Too. My dad was my. They said my dad was like insane. Like they said that nigga was hella raw at football and at basketball. That's why I'd be like, bro, why did I take so long to develop? Because I didn't really get hella hella good until probably like into high school, college. That's when I really started getting raw. But yeah, to your to your point, Pop Warner football was hella big, bro. Because you had the Berkeley Cougars, like the teams that nigga. It's all good was our fucking sponsor. Like, you feel me? So, and that's a North Oakland bakery, but you feel me? Like Former just, Panther headquarters. Yeah, like, <laughs> niggas was our sponsor. Um, so, you had, you feel me? North Oakland niggas usually play for the Dynamites or the Cougars. I don't know if the East Bay Warriors existed at that time. But, yeah, bro. So, like, that shit was just bringing hella motherfuckers together because you got to realize this niggas from, then you playing schools, you playing people from, like, Richmond, from Pinole, Antioch, right? So, um, yeah, that, that was... That was a big source of me. That's where I got a lot of my like lifelong friends from. Cause I was, excuse me, I was fucking. Um, and at the time, South Berkeley was hella black too. South Berkeley was was hella black. Um, and so, yeah, football was hella big, just f- for kids, and then especially in my family, cause I had so, so many athletes in it. it. wasn't really that big on my mama's side. My family, on, my mama's side, didn't really play sports. Them niggas was in the streets for real, like for sure, for sure. But my dad's side, them niggas. Fucked with sports Yeah And then at some point In your life You, you moved to East Oakland Right you, you was talking about Living on a seminary Yeah I think my mom Had probably got on Section 8 or something I don't know If she gonna be mad that I'm, I don't think my mom Is embarrassed that we was poor You feel me So <laughs> <laughs> I know she might Listen to this uh, But yeah I lived on 47th From The time I was like Three I wanna say Like three or Like three or four Until I was 13 And we moved We moved to the east When I was 13 to a nicer spot. It was a duplex. I lived in duplex. 
on 47th and we moved to High Street. We was in a duplex off Brookdale, but that shit was, it was, um, it was cool. I want to say my mom probably came across from Section 8, so we was able to get into a, a nicer spot or some shit. Yeah. Uh, and the East, bro. People tell you, bro, the East is a whole different place, bro. Yeah, like, like you, East you, Oakland is like, was literally a totally different, you know, I mean, it's the same town, but it's, it's different city. Even talk, different, different parts of East Oakland, like, it's like, exactly, shit. Bro. The dubs is hella different from the deep, you feel me? It's like. You, you talk to East Oakland niggas, they'll tell you, like, I'm from the East. And then if you get those niggas who are very specific to about, well, I'm from the dubs, or I'm from the deep, or I'm from the Ville, that, like, you feel me? Like, them niggas just. But, hey, I moved to High Street in eighth grade. Eighth grade. It was for sure a little culture shock. Because now, nigga, I'm catching busing. You feel me? Like, where I was going, when I was spending most of my time in South Berkeley, when I was spending most of my time in North Oakland, South Berkeley, for me going to school and living in the North, I could walk. You feel me? Or I catch the 88 or the 15. Like, them is, like, quick-ass rides. Like, from 47 to I was going to Willard. That's what. So you was street. taking hella different buses and shit. Yeah, but then once I got to the east, nigga, now yeah. it's like, all right, shit, I gotta catch bus and bark, like period, point blank, before I could walk home. Even if we fly, nigga, that's when niggas used to walk. Like I walk from nigga forty seventh all the way to Willard, easy. Um, but then you start going to High Street. I mean, I'm either catching. It was probably the forty in the forty L at that time, uh, and I also had to catch the bark. I had to catch the bark. That shit was. I was so mad at my mom for that shit. <laughs> I swear, bro. I don't know. Did you move a lot as a kid? Twice. Yeah. Same area, though. Yeah. You that know. shit. That shit was bump, bro. I was happy, though, because like, we got little things like, you feel me? Like, oh, now we got a bigger kitchen. Or now we got like an actual little like a living room. Because my spot, I don't even know if my room, the room that me and my sister shared in North Oakland, I don't even know if that was a real room. Or if my mom just like, Made it shake. Made it into one. Yeah. Like, I think that probably might have been a one bedroom. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because it wasn't no door on that motherfucker. It was like through the walkway. Right. You know, like, you come in, that's the living room, walk through, and then you can see like a room to the left. And she just made that me and my sister room. Um, and so we actually got a real room. Uh, but then she you moving over there, nigga. I'm living around. For me, the East was still rolling at the time. Nigga, it's High Street. For me, I'm going to fucking Brookdale Park. I don't know these niggas over here. Yeah. You feel me? That's one of the places like, nigga, you got to think I'm 13, like, 14 years old. Like, high nigga, Street who and you know here? You feel me? Like, <laughs> who, you, who you know, nigga? Yeah. Period, bro. It's so. I don't think people realize, especially if, if you're a listener and you're not really familiar with Oakland, like High Street Seminary is too. You feel me? At the time, two they areas was in the east. Too. You feel me? That they was, was like up, real. Bro. You know, this 2005. <laughs> <laughs> like niggas, this is like nigga, the hyphy movement. Like, yeah. Niggas don't realize this was nigga. You get on the bus, niggas get on the bus. Like I beat everybody ass on this motherfucker. <laughs> that was not. That was really normal. Like I feel like people see people tweeting about that shit, but that's real, bro. You really get on the bus. And this is at the time where, like, I think, like, the, the printed hoodies was a thing and shit. So, like, niggas that had a they block on their shit or whatever. Like, niggas was getting robbed for their J's. Every, bro, I'm telling you, it was type of nigga was, you didn't think that was going to sit in the back of the bus or the front by the bus driver, nigga. If, like, that's the type of shit it was. Like, <laughs> you already tell the nigga sitting in the front, he's scared. You feel me? So, it was, <laughs> it was like that type of shit, bro. It was a jungle for real, nigga. Like, you really got to, like, just little shit like that. You can already tell, like, if I get when you get on the bus, you can tell this nigga sitting in the front because he don't want to come back there because he's scared. You feel me? Then it's like, if you go back there, is you ready for what's about to come with that? Because now, nigga, once you, I think we talked about this with D Naz, when you start coming from the north to the east and, like, MacArthur kind of, MacArthur Bar is kind of central. MacArthur and downtown for, like, those buses. And, like, I used to get on the 57. Yeah, you nigga, that's the bus that's going. Yeah. Everywhere, but that shit go through Daniel Tech, it go through fucking Ohio, nigga, it go through fucking, it just go through, it go through the east and the west, bro. And so you just see so much so many different neighborhoods and hoods within that. Bro, I told you I got to the got to the east, nigga. I know what the fuck I was. Me and my nigga, my nigga Lamar, he 
down right now, bro. Um, I, I went to middle school with this nigga, and I went to be high with him for a year. Uh, but feel me, he was he was front of East, and so my mom, it's hella shady. We she like, all right, nigga, you need to be home by whatever time. I'm in eighth grade. I'm like, nigga, I don't even know how to get home. Mind you, I don't even know what phone I had at this time. I might have had like that little Nokia. I don't know a flip phone, like a little. What was the what was what was the company that was before T-Mobile and was before, it was like AT and T. Was it was AT and T singular 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 wireless singular, singular yeah. wireless. <laughs> <laughs> I had a singular flip phone, my nigga. Like it wasn't no GPS on that yeah, shit. Yeah, bro, ain't no. You, that was nigga. when you still had to print out map questions. I shit. Cl- <laughs> mind you, I'm not from the east. Like I spent all my time in the north and in Berkeley because I went to school out there. I did not know how to get to High Street. Literally didn't know. My nigga, my nigga, red nigga. We got off at Fruitville. That nigga walked. And mind you, he walked like nigga. This this block right here. Da da da. Like showing me all through the east. Walk me all the way home, and so just little shit like that, bro. Like, yeah. What did that moment teach you about like community? I know that's something we we talked about maybe like last week when we was over at Fruitvale. Like, you know, there's a moment that you real, bro, you know, I don't you know really. Why I remember yeah. this shit so vividly, probably because how mad I was at my mama. Like, <laughs> how the fuck you go? Like, you ain't gonna come get a nigga. I, I think I told her I didn't know how to get home, and she's like, figure it out, type shit, which is like borderline out of pocket, but borderline like you know, giving me some autonomy. I don't know how we want to frame it. I don't know. <laughs> some people might call it. <laughs> but, but, that shit big, bro, because that nigga, he made sure I made it, like, in the grand scheme of things, he made sure I made it home safe. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, this is a town where I just told you it's going to be who you know over here. Who, who you know, nigga, period. Where you from? Hey, that's the niggas be on that. Hey, check it out. Where you from, bro? That was that time. And so, that nigga made, made sure I made it home. And that shit really built community because just like a couple of days ago, I seen his son was raising money to go f- to his football championship in fucking um, Florida. Mind you, I've been there before. Like I said, I played football growing up, nigga. Didn't have a lot of money. Nigga, I was fucking every... Football is probably $300 to play every year. I was fundraising every year, calling all my cousins, my aunties and shit, seeing that they could help me so that I could play. And so, like, that shit come full circle to realize, like, that that's what community is. Because now, you know, I'm able to recognize, oh, that's my nigga Lamar son. Nigga, I've been in his position where I needed some money to go play football. I got some money for this nigga, you know. So, yeah, that that was that was. Um, I'll never forget that shit. My nigga looked out for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so you know, throughout everything you're talking about, like you really was dealing with a lot of poverty, bro. A lot of poverty, and I feel like as niggas have gotten older, sometimes people will overlook, you know, like the the, the background that you have. You feel me? Especially in these quote unquote organizing spaces. I mean, I didn't erase it too, though. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know if that's a. Not in t- I'm, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's erasing. Yeah. But also, like, really maybe that also that might be like buying into respectability politics in some spaces and trying to navigate certain spaces. I, t- I for you sure have bought into respectability politics, yeah. bro. Like, just I mean, there's just something about wanting to show that it's just, and it's anti-blackness rooted in it, right? It's like wanting to show that you have that you're a value or you not like them niggas. You feel me? Like that's I told myself. Like once I really got seen that I was playing to that shit, I I'm not fucking with that shit at all. You know what I'm saying? That's why I want niggas to know where I come from and who. I mean, you know, I think you see me around the niggas that I grew up with. I post them niggas on my Instagram and shit all the time. You know, like you see me engaging with them niggas, but I don't think people like truly really know like that I'm from the same cloth as them niggas. I'm from the same shit, or how long I known these niggas and how much I've been through with these niggas. Are this actually my family? You know, um, but. I was going to say, when, I, when we dealing with poverty, you've been to my granny's house on 65th. And even then, that looked like a, a really nice house. But you got to think, nigga, it will be 15 people at that motherfucker at all times. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the house 
uh, I was I was born and raised in for a little bit, like two years old. My mama was able to, to move out, but like nigga, that whole little like plot of land, you know what I'm saying? Would be nigga, my auntie and her five kids staying in that back house, then somebody at the top, you know, one of my uncles staying in the front, and then one of my aunties sleeping on the couch. My granny sleeping in another room. Me and my sister sleeping on the floor. Then my other family like that shit. Niggas had had somewhere to stay, but it would be hella people over there. And my nigga, I remember in the ni- early nineties, like paying for food with food stamps, like real, like before EBT, like nigga, it'll really be like dollars. You feel me? And it'll be like small, like Monopoly money though. But that's a food stamp. You feel me? So it's like, yeah, we got all these people staying in these houses, but like clearly, one of us, somebody in this motherfucker, if not all of us, qualify for food stamps. You know what I'm saying? So, um. And then, you know, it was little shit like, we were just talking about we was putting our little tree up. I'm like, yeah, nigga, it would be sometimes I really didn't have Christmas. You feel me? And I don't like, I don't, I don't think that's always the measurement of like thriving and thriving in capitalism or whatever, but like niggas was for sure poor. I only got, I know, I know motherfuckers that got clothes year round. You know what I'm saying? Like I really got them shits in the summer and for Christmas if I was lucky type shit. Uh, niggas didn't go on vacation. Niggas didn't, my, once my mom started like, I think, Cause you gotta think she was seventeen, so I probably say around like twenty two might have been when she was able to like start getting some jobs that that kind of made money. That's when she would take like you know I was able to go to Disneyland and shit for the first time. But niggas was for show poor, bro. Yeah, like, for for show poor, for show poor. Yeah, not to the point where out niggas was never houseless though. Always had a roof over our head. Always had it, but I feel like we was like the the normal poor black family. You feel me? Living check to check. Like I think that was. Pretty much my experience for sure. Yeah, and then you went to Beehive. Yeah, what, what was Beehive like? I know you, you went to Berkeley schools and yeah. I don't know, man. Beehive. I think I was so caught up in like sports and girls, and then eventually like alcohol and drugs that like I kind of didn't really fully. And then it got different over time. Like those first two years, it was was it was still a little bit easier for people not from Oakland and not from Berkeley. To, to get in So you had like You know and It was only It was only The only school in Berkeley So you had people from Like I said From Oakland From Richmond From Frisco Going there um, But uh, I don't know It was yeah, it, it was a lot going on That shit was It was a wild school bro. <laughs> But then you look back And I realize like I remember You know Shit her sister When she was there Talking about like All the racist shit She, she was going through And I'm like Damn that shit happened to me too Why would not like Really that hip Mind you my senior year Nigga I was like The vice president Of the BSU um, And that was more so I think Cause I was smart But I wasn't I was for sure Hella anti-black Misogynistic Homophobic at that time too So I'm like mm, I don't know Maybe Mr. G Just saw something in me Shout out that nigga He was like A young nigga Who was uh, Who was What do you call it I don't know if he was The head of the FM department But he was he was the one that kind of led me to that position. He probably saw something in niggas because I was doing good in the class, but I was for sure hella ignorant. <laughs> like, nigga, I was sixteen I mean, years you, old. You were a sixteen year old high school kid, old, like, bro. bro, like who wasn't ignorant at that time? Yeah, <laughs> like, bro, you just a product of the the society and the shit you growing up and seeing. But I don't know if I answer your, like, what do you mean? What was it like to go to Beehive? Yeah, like, just in general, you know. I know you was in the the vice president. The BSU, like what? What led to? So it was your teacher who kind of yeah, led Mr. you to Mr. that. Mr. G, he was the teacher. He was the teacher, but I think I like I. I don't know if it was him or Mr. McKnight who was the head of the. It's like, department. bro, they had they had to see some shit in, like, 
You know what I mean? They had to see some, bro, for niggas be like, I yeah, bro. Yeah, I was an honor roll student. Not not my first two years at Beehive, but I was on honor roll all through middle middle school. But then I got to Berkeley High and was kind of like, oh, shit, you could just walk off campus, nothing happened to you. and Go smoke a blunt or something. Yeah, like I was just, you know, niggas was, then that's the point where it's like, niggas, you, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, you on that bus, nigga, going through all them neighborhoods and shit, like niggas trying you and shit. So you got to develop some type of reputation. You know what I'm saying? So I for sure wasn't going to school that much. I was fighting and I was trying to be seen. Around certain places, nigga, so that motherfuckers can recognize me when I'm outside. And now that I think about it, it probably was a little safety measure because you want niggas to know, like, oh, if I do something to him, he know this nigga. So that can either make shit fucked up for me or I'm cool with that nigga already. Da 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 da. But yeah, my first two years, I was kind of fucking around. But then, like, my junior year, uh, I, I and what's wild together. about that is people be like, oh, this nigga skipping class, but really, you just doing shit for your safety. Yeah, I don't really look. I, you know, I mean, now, you that just, you, now that you can look yeah, back at it, at it and realize, it, yeah. like, hey, this is why I was doing that was, was for safety. Because when nigga, a teacher will be like, ah, oh, this nigga just missing class, he a bad kid. I mean, bro, you gotta think this is when functions was really happening. You feel me? So it's like, nigga, I'm going to go to functions. I like dances and I like being around girls. I'm about to go to functions. You feel me? When you go to a function, them is also, nigga, them is prime. Get your ass beat. Places prime get your get stripped, nigga. This was a niggas was stripping niggas, tear that shit off, nigga. Send the niggas home with no shoes on this shit. And so again, you got to be able to be. Who do you know, nigga? That's what this is. That's how you get. That's how you safe through the world. Who do you know? Especially in a town like Oakland, like that nigga Kendrick had that on his on his album or whatever. Like where your granny stay, nigga. Like I need to know somebody <laughs> from over here before I give you this pass, cause nigga, we all here starving and you got some nice shoes on. Or nigga, I'm having a bad day. I feel like beating your ass. Or I'm off this pill. <laughs> it was like That was a real thing And so Yeah um, I was on honor roll Shout out Fucking Mr. G For making me The vice president Of the BSU I was still I was out of pocket Man It was like One class in particular That I really remember We was having a conversation Around like Like Not sexuality But around sex And What the fuck did I say it was something you could just tell I was like a 17 year old boy. Like it was definitely something that was like hella demeaning to women. And he was just like, you know, we gonna work on that, bro. <laughs> we gonna work on that type shit. It wasn't like I for sure didn't use the B word in the class or nothing like that, but I don't know. I was I said something that was just like, you know, trying to make niggas laugh type shit. <laughs> it was just like, all right, bro, we gonna work on that. Like you don't know You bro. don't know yet, but we Yeah, we, we, we gonna work we on gonna, that for sure. Let's unpack this. <laughs> and I wanna shout out Miss Tebby. I was looking for her recently because talking about Beehive, this was a teacher, my English teacher. I think I had like a C in her class at one point. And one day I just came in and my mama was in the class. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I had one of the mamas. My mama was, and my mama was, I think, in law school, nigga, when I was in high school. You feel me? So she was hella busy. Like, as long as they wasn't calling, she was like, whatever. And I was on honor roll. My mama didn't know. My mama assumed that I was on honor roll my first two years of Beehive because I was on honor roll at Willard every year. And I really had like a 2.2. And. Fucking, there's like two catalysts as to what made her come to the school. The first one was my teacher called and was like, yeah, this nigga, um, like, be showing hella signs of, like, you know, good writing skills, but he just don't turn in every assignment and he be skipping. And I think my, I think I came there and my mom was in the class and we had, like, a, a meeting or she might have just called my mom on the phone one night. And the second time was I got into a fight. I got into a big-ass fight where they was trying to arrest me. And it was like that wild. He was trying to arrest me for fighting old captains. I got into a fight. Uh, and like my junior year, I got into a big ass fight after school. Like, yeah, I got into, yeah, I got into a fight. And they tried to arrest me for it. And they made my mom come get me. And 
this nigga. Bro, you got to think about that. That's like multiple experiences with the police. Yeah. At a young ass age, bro. Yeah, dumb niggas. Nigga, I like, bro, it was just a fight. It wasn't like I hit the nigga in the head with a brick or nothing. We just had an actual fight. Just on hands, you yeah. feel me? It was just like a one on one fight. Like, it was just, I don't know. Actually, he got into it with one of my girl cousins. I think they started jumping in. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we got into a fight. They tried to arrest me, and this nigga, Coach Carter, is my high school coach. A lot of niggas know Carter. He called my mama up there. Or that my mom had to come get me there anyway. And she was like, he was like saying something like, yeah, you know, this nigga grades is slipping. And da 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 da. She like, wait, what? <laughs> Pulled up my grade. She hadn't seen a report card in two years. She hadn't seen a report card in two years. I think I had like a two point two, a two point four, which is like looking back, like wasn't like a nigga was flunking. It just wasn't wasn't reaching my potential. But I got off hell off tangent. That's why I don't like doing interviews because I clearly got too many stories and I got some shit bottled up because I don't talk because I don't be talking about myself. But Miss Tebby, shout out to you because you told my mama that I was a good writer. And that shit changed my life. I went to school and majored in journalism. Got my degree in that shit. I've written probably like 30 articles since I graduated from college. And, you know, niggas is doing hella journalistic shit now. So, thank you, Miss Tebby. Yeah. So, you graduate B-high, you know, and then you, quote unquote, you know, made it out, right? Got a You got a scholarship to, to Humboldt to play football? Was that right after? Yeah, I got a scholarship to... To go to Humboldt my senior year for football. Yeah. What What was that like? You know, I know that's always a big thing. You know, you, you know, especially when you you playing football and you know, like I remember for sure, like when I had my first visit and shit like that and things like that. So what was that? What was that like? What was that feeling? You know, when you got that scholarship offer, bro. That shit was fire because, like I said, I came from a football family, and but I think at the time that nigga Ryan was the only nigga who had got a scholarship. To, to play Then on my mama's side Nobody had ever done that shit You know like Most of my cousins On my mom's side Was in the streets for real Whether like Using drugs Or selling drugs And so I remember I took my mom On my visit She was like oh shit You know I'm like And I wasn't highly recruited So I think when you Highly recruited You like over the Over the years Your parents get accustomed To like getting letters And you go on um, Coaches you, calling and shit And yeah, excuse, but then camps what's the, what's the other kind of like um, You get like the in-home visits In What's the other visits like where it's not an official visit? Well, you could take unofficial visits and stuff. I didn't take a bunch of those because I didn't really start going off until my senior year. And that's when, you know, I took like two visits uh, over the course of like three weeks and I had a sign-in day. But uh, that shit was so dope to, you know, be able to go on a visit in my mom to see like, oh shit, like these niggas are interested in my son because of his abilities. Uh, and... That shit was fire. I met I met fucking Kelly at Humboldt. So I only spent one year there, but nigga, I met you feel me one of my closest friends who still uh, doing also work been able to organize over the last year. So you know, but that shit had its nigga ups and downs. Yeah, because I think Jim got shot that. Did Jim get shot that year? Nah, Jim got shot in like 2014, maybe 2015. But in 2010, my nigga Raymond got killed. My nigga Dame got killed. Um. And when Raymond got killed, I remember being at, like, me and Kelly knew that nigga. So we was from from different things. You feel me? Kelly went to Ohio. That nigga Raymond, you feel me? We was in the same clique. And so when that nigga died, bro, I was fucked up. And I remember, like, just being green as fucking going to my D coordinator, like, just trying to talk to this nigga, like, bro, like, shit going on at home. I'm so sick. And he was just like, nigga basically tell me, I mean, like, he's gone now. What, what can you do about it? I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, that shit was, that shit. Fucked the nigga up for real 
Cause you at this place where you feel me. You I don't niggas don't think about what being away from home playing a sport does, and especially when people always tell you like, uh, you getting a free education. That's that's the liberals' favorite thing, and the also propaganda. Like, at least you're not in the hood no more, and it's like. And nigga, if you got any proximity to the hood and you still in touch with your family, you're not forgetting about niggas, you might as well still be there because you're getting hit with the same shit every day. And yeah, when that nigga got killed, it was just, it just reminded me that, like, no matter how far you go in life, if you're still connected to your people in the trenches, you're going to feel that pain by proximity. Like, you, you're just going to feel that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're kind of far away from it too. In the same point where you feel like, damn, there's like something you can't even do about it, you know. And then it's like you got just you know you got like your niggas at home mourning and you like you feel by, me by yourself. <laughs> you, like, you feel like you can't support your partners and you also can't get that mutual yeah. support. Yeah, that was. It's wild, bro. I remember once I had took a college tour, like my junior year of high school, and while I was gone, twenty second got shot up. So it's like that kind of shit, you know what I'm saying? Like you fucking, like really got shot up too. You feel me? So it's like that's, and I think that shit, that's the kind of shit that really center a nigga politics because you are reminded that nigga know how. Again, like I said, no matter how far you go, nigga, either you still a nigga and your coach is gonna say shit like that to you, like uh, he gone now, get over it, or your people are still left to go through the fu- through the fucking perils of oppression. You know what I'm saying. So I think that shit. Oh, I'm looking back on like these are all the things that shaped me and why I move the way that I move right now. Cause I'm always gonna be a nigga, and I'm always gonna have niggas. Like that's just what it is. I mean, that's real community. Yeah, it's not forgetting your people, bro. You feel me? Yeah, I feel like over the last like two years or so, I've been saying that, but my practices haven't really been there. They have they my perspective hasn't been there. I've always because I'm always around my niggas, but I think even the way like political political education, especially the way that I functioned in my group chat like the last year, because I was building so much community with queer folks, so much community with sex workers, so much community with women, right? And rightfully so, they are fed up and they are tired. And I was carrying that shit with me from an empathetic standpoint, also from an urgency standpoint, because you realizing like you feel me, trans women is dying every day, fucking niggas is you being hella violent online with sex workers, niggas is being violent in real life with with women. You feel me? Mentally, physically, emotionally. And so I feel like I would go to niggas and be like, man, y'all niggas need to do this. Y'all niggas need to do that. And it's like, bro, them niggas is a product of their environment. Like, product of colonization, a product of. And we say that, you feel me? But then we engage niggas as otherwise. Like, all y'all niggas just stopping. It's like, bro, these niggas didn't go to college like me. These niggas is not in these organized and academic spaces where. We haven't, where they, like, where were these niggas really in position to listen to women and be like, hey, nigga, like, I kind of don't really, like, where they actually listening? Like, online, you hear women talk all the time, queer folks, trans folks talk all the time about their oppression, right? But it wasn't the online shit that changed me. It was being face to face with people and they being like, yeah, you know, sometimes my nigga, I'd be afraid to go jogging at night. And you're like, oh shit. You know, that might seem like a small thing, but like, that's, that's something so much more different than just people talking online, right? So, like, I realized that until I create the conditions, for these niggas to actually be in community with women, I need to stop barking down these niggas' throats. Until I'm creating the conditions to for these niggas to actually be in community with trans folks, I need to stop barking down these niggas' throats about transphobia. Because it's like, again, where are they? In, not to say that these people don't exist in, like, the, I'm sure these niggas have trans folks in their families and, you know what I'm saying, queer folks in their families. But, like, what's that, again, what's that, that, that um, space like where they're actually creating community with them? You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why I think, 
for our community learning, for the organizing that we do. And I've been trying to be way more intentional with creating that spaces for niggas as opposed yeah. to just like barking down niggas' throats. Cause and it's calling like, it political education. Like yeah, barking at bar- a nigga and telling him he's homophobic is not political education. It's not. It's not. I mean, <laughs> it's not political. Like, tell a nigga he's trash is not political that's, education. That's kind of like the intersection of like Twitter and shit is saying like this is how it has to be. You know, in, in reality, like that's not how political education works. Like it's it's a very long, long process. And it's you know what I mean? And right? it's like yeah. both of us, we both like, we don't like being barked at. <laughs> yeah. From I don't know, from playing sports or nothing. Like that's that's some shit nobody would wanna you know, that's not how you a nigga learn. I know for myself, I ain't gonna learn if a nigga just like you know what I mean? Like I always um, I'd listen to the coaches that would yell, but I was always like, man, what <laughs> just like what? All right, for so I'm gonna and, do that. Yeah. But like that shit, I was like, you know, I was telling you about like Coach Ladd at DLSL, like he was always really soft spoken and he was mm-hmm. one of the most successful football coaches. I'm like, bro, like everybody was hella respected that nigga by the way he approached people. You know, like he approached people a certain way where it was like a lot of respect there. Yeah, and it's that nuance and, and context that has to be provided, right? Like I understand why women go into spaces and yell at niggas. I understand yeah. why trans folks go in spaces and yell at niggas. I'm, like that makes total sense, right? I think it's the niggas of us who are gonna be saying we are their allies or supporters, right? To go in with a different perspective, though, especially yeah. if you feel me. Like I, I don't know. I talked to Ann about this shit before, right? And they do work in prisons, and Ann is like. You know, the niggas I work with, they say homophobic shit all the time or, you feel me, transphobic shit all the time. But I'm able to have, I don't know if it's a, they, they were saying they're able to have a grace or understanding because they realize these folks are products of their community. And sometimes I feel like Aunt's grace is going to look different some days. Like maybe there's some days where that nigga's like, hey, my nigga, like, just don't say that word, period, point blank. I don't oh, have the time to, to be, walk out. You feel me? I can't really fully explain that, right? But I think what has to has to be understood is that fucking... Like you just have to. We can't say like, oh, we have to learn and learn and unlearn it, and then go in to these spaces as if like, nah, it's straight up unlearning right now. Like you have to have, and that's just that's that's the. That's oh, you the just fucking, hop in the whip and you say, hey, nigga. Yeah, I mean, and that's just the plight. That's just the plight or the the struggle of yeah. going against a system that's been organized in so many ways over fucking five hundred over over five centuries, my nigga. Like, yeah. A thousand percent. So. You know, you go to Humboldt, then you transfer to, to Santa Barbara City College. Yeah. I wasn't getting no burn at Humboldt. The niggas said that shit about my partner passing. Then I had a coach. You already know how them coaches be where it's like, they wasn't good. And they hate niggas that remind them of the niggas that was good on their team that kept them from playing. Like, bro, how did I go to Humboldt and not play as a ch- – I mean, I was small, so I get it. And I'm, I probably wasn't – I, I like, I was, I was small, and I wasn't really – my football IQ wasn't really there because I didn't want it to be there. I wasn't really studying film and shit like that. But I think just based off talent alone, I should have been a traveling freshman, like on special teams and shit. Because, uh, nigga, I went from humble and started at, at a D1. And I'm telling you, nigga, this practice squad at fucking Idaho was damn near better than some of them niggas starters at Humble. You feel me? So it's like, but I, I, I did from that motherfucker. And I went to Santa Barbara because Dizzle was staying out there and I just needed a fresh start. And then was, you feel me? Like being smart, I, had to, I did... One thing Humble did help me with was my freshman year. They made us take this, like, I don't know if you had to take I don't know if all California athletes had to take it, but I think it was, like, Cal State required where you had to take this class. Like the writing class requirement? Not, not that one, but it was, like, this class that taught you all about, like, eligibility, 
it was like they did, we did like sex and we used to meet like every Monday and it was just like an introductory to like being a freshman type class and they taught us like if you leave you have to get your if you you have once you leave you have to get your AA to go to an, another uh, four year after if you go from D1 to JUCO and you want to go or D2 to JUCO and then you want to go to another four year you have to get your AA and so when I made the choice to transfer I was like calling all these schools like fuck where can I where can I go and how will what who has the classes ready for me in this semester to stay on pace with my AA so that I can graduate on time? Um, and it just so happened that Santa Barbara ended up working out, and I ended up there in like yeah. 2011. Bro, and that's that's a lot of work to do, especially as a young nigga, bro. bro I did like, that shit to the neck too. To Mind the, you, my mom didn't want me to leave. Yeah. Like I told my mom, I, I, like the day I went to tell the coach that I was leaving, my mom was like, "Nah, I just stay." Da 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 da. And so you feel me? She stopped talking. She wasn't talking to me. Uh, she wasn't talking to me for like a month, damn near, maybe two months, because she was so mad um, that I was leaving. Rightfully so, you feel like I said, my mom grew up poor, bro. She fucking didn't go to college till she was in her early twenties. You know what I'm saying? Like she probably was just like, my nigga, I don't want you to make the same mistake as me. But interesting, you had a scholarship. Yeah, and probably didn't think like nigga was the odds of you doing that shit again. And I told her like, bro, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm about to go to junior college. I'm gonna get a Division one scholarship. Like that's what I'm about to do. Period. Point blank. And so. Not having my mom as a resource, then I, you feel me, I'm off the team, so I don't have access to the academic, to my counselor no more at Humboldt no more either, right? So now I'm just, nigga, doing research. I'm spending, mind you, I'm sleeping on this nigga Kelly floor. You feel me? Like, this nigga's going to practice every day. I'm coming back. He like, bro, you sure you don't want to come back? I'm like, no, nigga, I'm not coming back. I'm done, period. I'm not fucking with these niggas. I know I'm better than this type of shit. Sometimes you got to have that fucking, I, in my mind, I was really raw. But maybe I wasn't as raw as I thought I was, but shit, nigga, I was, <laughs> I, I took that belief and I ran with it, nigga. And so. I found it, yeah. Like, it was hella work, and I had to do that shit to the neck. Yeah. Hella work. So, you go to Santa Barbara. You know, I know you've had some, some stories about Santa Barbara having to sneak into the uh, <laughs> to the cafeteria and shit. That was my second. This is after <laughs> I got a scholarship. That's what so, this was so wild. But before that, I'm living with Dizzle. We both got girlfriends at the time. It's four of us in a one-bedroom, nigga. Us and our, and our girlfriends. And we doing bad, nigga. We so broke. We, we doing bad, bro. Um, fucking... Mind you, I'm not really playing because I come, I miss fall camp. I come like a week before the first game, but the coach saw my film and was fucking with it, and I knew was, he knew I was a bounce back, and that kind of, kind of come with some like unearned respect if you're a bounce back. It's like, okay, well, we know this nigga was good enough to earn a scholarship to somewhere. He probably going to come here and have immediate impact. Boom, I get there. Humble take five weeks to send my transcripts. Come on, my nigga. Five weeks. I really truly feel like the niggas was holding my shit. That was, nigga, that's for sure revenge. You know coaches always have that revenge when a nigga try to transfer. Them niggas took five weeks to send my transcripts, bro. So I don't even play the first five games. Mind you, I'm not practicing or nothing because they're like, I'm on scout team pretty much. I'm just going to scout team and like, well, that shit was shit was bunk. I'm not playing. Them niggas 0-6. I finally get clear like week seven. Three, three games left in the season. I start those three games. I don't really do that much though, but. Yeah, Santa Barbara was a wild time because also that first semester I had like a 0.8 GPA. That shit. I was talking to Dizzle about this shit, bro. Santa Barbara is apparently like one of like the top academic junior colleges in the nation. For sure is. And because they, especially depending on which area of focus is, if you like a comms um, major or whatever, I don't know if you can call it a major when you're in junior college, but if you like, if your area of focus is comms, they're trying to prep you to go to UC Santa Barbara, which is like a really good communication school. And so I was like taking all these upper level classes and failing the fuck out them shits. Mind you, I'm living in a one bedroom in Santa Barbara. Niggas financial aid is like thirteen hundred every three months. I think our rent was three hundred a month. It was just it was it was a wild time, bro. It was a depressing fucking time. Yeah. Then we fighting this shit every time we go outside because you. I love Vista, bro. I'm, 
I only went before? there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, nigga, I, mean, I know we've been there, nigga, but I'm saying, did you go there before you graduated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That shit. That's the shit where you just, you know, the crazy ass, wild ass white boys and shit. And they hella drugs. And being black and out there is a different type of visibility. You got you hella, know? like, anti black Mexicans niggas. and shit, yeah, too. Bro. Also, like, on shit. Yep. <laughs> like, Isla Vista was a shady ass place. At night, <laughs> shady ass place. When I, that was literally when I think about the most stressful times in my life, it was that first semester in Santa Barbara in 2011, and probably my first semester post post grad, um, from Humble in 2015. That shit, those are the most. That's the one I was the the brokest and the most unsure about what was gonna happen to myself. Right, cause yeah. I got to Santa Barbara, I'm not playing. My grades is hella bad. Not sure what's next. And then of course after Idaho, you feel me? You don't go to the NFL and you just kind of. Lost and trying to figure shit out. Yeah. So what was that like after you know graduating from Idaho and then you had a tryout, right? Or do you, do you have a pro day? Yeah. I mean, you have a pro day, but this is the thing. Like with the Idaho shit, I was up there, and that was such a a, a bad fucking program. You know what I'm saying? I, I that's how I know I wasn't as as hip to the racism shit as I should have been because I would have spotted how racist my fucking head coach was in my meetings before I even committed there. You know what I'm saying? But also. I was on such a time crunch because I knew that I was going to fail one of my classes that second semester of sophomore year at Santa Barbara. So I needed to commit to somewhere that was in love with me and who wouldn't drop me if I failed this class. And I, my three offers was Portland State. My three mid-year offers was Portland State, um, New Mexico State, for, for Portland State, New Mexico State, Fresno State, and Idaho. Idaho was like head over heels for me, so that's why I chose them. Because I knew him, I, I knew in the back. I'm, I'm not passing this class. I had to take this one class that was online at Oklahoma, like Western Oklahoma State or some shit. Yeah, no, I remember it was like a psychology that. class. <laughs> I knew I was gonna fail, and so I needed to go to a school that was gonna still fuck with me if I if I failed. And so that's why I picked Idaho. But my my head coach was a fucking racist as fuck. What's it? I don't know if this nigga name is Paul. Last name is Petrino. I think his first name is Paul Petrino. I yeah, nigga, fuck you. You hear the last name Patrino, and you just his brother. Elisa's brother was talented. <laughs> Elisa's brother was talented. His brother, uh, I don't know, Bobby. I don't know if one. Elisa's brother was an actual talented coach and had winning programs. The little yeah, brother was a fucking yeah, idiot. Yeah, and that a name punk. sounds familiar. In a punk, I shoot, like this is the nigga to this day. When I see you on the street, I'm beating your ass. Like I have bail money ready. I'm gonna fuck you up because you was hella abusive to fucking kids, bro. Little black kids. Like I think it was. Remember one time we was doing third tempo. In practice, you know, thud, you're not supposed to take to the ground, right? Matter of fact, my nigga Rail just hit me on Instagram earlier today. That's hella funny, but nigga, we doing thud tempo. Rail hella big. Nigga is like 220 pounds, bro. Like to thud tempo that nigga, you need to come full speed or you're gonna get ran over. My, I didn't know Rail was gonna take a light on me, so I come down, blast this nigga. He go flying into the, the person that's holding the sticks. It's a scrimmage, mind you, that, right? Like, nigga, we going, we full tempo, we just thudding. Blast this nigga into the um the fucking nigga that's holding the sticks. He fall back, hit his head, like he he good or whatever. My coach come into my study hall the next the, the after practice and like that was some pussy ass shit you did. I'm like bro, like he over my shoulder though. Like mind you, I'm on the computer like this. Imagine a nigga just walk up behind you. You you don't see him. You just hear somebody say that was some pussy ass shit you did. And you know like it's your coach. You turn around. You like bro what? You like what? Like what you mean? He like you fucking you you want to hit you want to hit pussy? I'm like, bro. I'm like, 
Mind you, if I say anything to this nigga, I know I'm for sure off the team. You feel me? Like, me and him already exchanged words over the summer. It's just tense. You feel me? Like, you already know how I be with coaches like that, bro, who just, they know this all you got, and they're holding it over your head, and they know they really don't want to play you, but you're one of the most. you the rawest nigga. you one of the most talented players. Like, it was like me and like three other DBs who this nigga really didn't like, but he had to play as he was upperclassmen, and we gave them the best shot at winning. But, so like, that was the type of shit I was dealing with. So, towards like the end of the year, bro, like, them niggas was. I was on such a short lease, bro. Anything I did, I got benched. Anything I did, I got benched, bro. Like, it was like some wild shit. I never experienced nothing like that before. Nigga, that's some slavery shit. And so, like, eventually, bro, it's like we, we doing homecoming that fucking, we playing New Mexico State, and I give up like a bomb. Not a touchdown, but I give up a bomb, like a, like a 50 yard post or some shit. Um, and they take me out, and I go, like, I just lose it on the sideline. And my fucking DB coach the next day is like, bro, I'm gonna be real with you, bro. You might as well. You're never gonna play again on this team. Like they telling me you're never gonna play, bro. Like <laughs> I was just like, like told me straight up, like, hey, bro, you're never going to play again. There's nothing I can do for you. This is my coach Ambrose. He played in the league a little bit. Uh, I fucked with Ambrose. I think he gave me a fair shot. Looking back on it, maybe, maybe it's like little shit that he, I would have wanted him to do if I was me, uh, if I was him. But I understand why he didn't. Right? Like it's so much politics in football. You trying to just make especially your, you, you a black coach too. Yeah, you trying to make your own way through it. You know what I'm saying? At that time, like it was like they would let him, which is also some sadistic ass shit. We had a black D coordinator, Coach Lee, who. Whenever he fucked up, they'll just get a play call on the coach Ambrose the next week. And when we lost that game, then they go back to Coach Lee. Like they was just toying with these niggas. So it was like they created this, they created this, this, this environment for black people where it was every nigga for themselves. Like even with the DBs, right? Like they would just rotate us. So it's like it's a nigga like my nigga Jay Sean. Like that's my bro. But you feel me? If he fuck up, I'm in I'm in his spot. If I fuck up, he in my spot. So it's like, how can we actually Be rock, partners, for one, yeah. rock for one another? When we all competing. You feel me? Like, like and not healthy competition. Yeah. Healthy competition is it's needed good. because the yeah. best team you want the best player on the field. But there was this thing where it was just like, I'm your enemy, nigga. Not the nigga who playing with us. You feel me? Like nigga, if I would have known what I knew now about organizing, we'd have strike. We'd have took had so many strikes when I was at that motherfucker. But like, no, nigga, we not playing. And if you play, I'm beating your ass. Like that's the kind of shit that we should have been doing for real. Like if I would have just had me and Jay Sean and Bradley, like three of the DBs, if we would have been or my nigga Chris, you feel me? If, if I would have had one of them niggas on my side, I'm like, hey, bro, we telling these niggas, bro, that all of us is getting this many plays a game, nigga, or we not playing, or nigga, this is the depth chart, da da da, or you feel me? Like if we'd have just, if I don't know what I know about organizing, we could have been way more impactful than the coaches, and that's why I be wanting to get into college athletes' ears because it's like, bro, y'all niggas have the power, period, point blank. Period, bro. We have I mean, the power. We seeing that shit right now on COVID. You feel me? They still making niggas play and practice. What was the shit where you feel me? Niggas was in solidarity with the motherfuckers, the athletes in Missouri. Missouri, yeah. And they wanted their coach up out of there. That nigga was gone. All they had to do was wait it out a little bit. They, I think they had to miss like one game, nigga. And that, and nigga, that nigga, was nigga was gone. You feel me? So it's like, <laughs> but uh, I didn't went off on so many tangents, but I think they all <laughs> are effective because like. Through each analysis, I'm able to, through each like memory, I'm able to see all the anti-black shit I was going through. Whether it was my coach telling me to get over my nigga getting killed, whether it was our fucking head coach, that you know, calling me a pocket. pussy while I'm at study hall. Like nigga, you gotta realize I was at study hall, working towards a degree. You feel me? This you is supposed to practice. Your, yeah. Like this is ideally the this is the, this is the shit they tell you to be a student athlete, right? Uh, or athletic student. That's what they used to push at our school. Athlete, athletics first. So nigga, I go from practice straight to study hall, and then I got a coach over my shoulder calling me a pussy. Like, what kind of fuck? That's some terrorist-ass shit. And then you go to practice the next day, you're getting rotated and, like, but, yeah, I, I, I've, and then you already know, bro, I was a, a, a high-head and something. not really a high-head. I just didn't, I, I can't even call myself a high-head. I just knew how to I mean, it, for it, myself. It's, yeah, it's rightfully so, though, being anger, angry about that shit from 
your coach saying that about your partner who passed to all those things culminating, bro. It's like rightfully so. Yeah, man, that shit. But I don't know, man. I left Idaho with a degree for whatever that shit is worth. Communications and journalism, right? Yeah, I majored in journalism and that's why I was supposed to go to that motherfucker. Like, bro, I don't, I don't know. We talk about belief and shit all the time. So if I'm saying, even if I'm saying I'm being guided by the ancestors, I'd see why I went there. Because I majored in journalism, bro. Idaho is one of, before I even knew, I just, I wanted to major in English, but they didn't have, I wanted to major in communi- communications, I think, either communications or English, and they didn't have them. And I was like, okay, what's the next best writing thing? Um, so I just did journalism. And I was like, oh, this would be an easy transition into sports broadcasting or something. Yeah. And so, then, like, as I'm in the motherfucker, and then, like, when I graduate, I'm, like, doing all this reading about, I'm like, oh, shit, this is one of the best journalism programs in the fucking country. Like, all these niggas from the school go on to have actual either writing careers or broadcasting careers, or they go on to be journalist professors. I'm like, oh, shit, nigga, I picked the perfect fucking place. Like, yeah, this is, like that. Without even knowing. That divine me? shit, bro, really should be kind of wild. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I'm like, all right, if the Some ancestors should be watching for... the nigga, like, that's, that's the reason why I went there. Yeah. So it wasn't for nothing. I got a fucking journalism degree, and, like, you see what that has done for me. Period. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come home and then, you know, one one thing I really respect, like you just hit the ground running, was working for Berkeley side, right? And Cal High Sports and you was really mm-hmm. you was telling stories from the community. Like real community stories, really uplifting the community. You know, and I think since then, you know, Berkeley side hasn't really <laughs> <laughs> hasn't really done you that. Look, that was twenty fifteen, bro. That's like probably peak. Berkeley getting like you feel me niggas getting pushed out of Berkeley and it was also a time where niggas was excuse me getting smacked in Berkeley a lot of niggas was getting killed um, and like I think when everybody first comes in to their form of storytelling they're like oh I want to tell the stories that don't get told or I want to lift up underprivileged voices or I want to write for black people da, da, da. he was just telling the stories you knew huh? yeah that's I was just like what kind of with that framing but it was like oh shit like I realized that white people just tell the stories that they want to tell shit or well, I want to write about my nigga who fucking you feel me rap I want to write about my nigga who do fashion design. I want to write about my nigga who got this dope, do you feel me, who play sports. You know what I'm saying? I want to write about this high school that I know that's doing some dope-ass work. Um, and so, yeah. That really laid the foundation for my organizing, too, because they... It, that was organizing, yeah. whether you would call it or not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that for sure was. I raised a lot of money doing my writing, too. Like I, I was able to help pay, motherfuckers pay for funerals, all type of shit. You know, so I, I do think it was contributing to... to, to the thrival or the survival of black folks in some capacity, yeah. for sure. And shit, do that. That's that's where we met too. You yeah. know when you did that again, talking about like <laughs> ancestral shit, bro. Like I would have never met. Who knows? I don't think I would have met you if I never worked for Berkeley side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I would have never joined ABC if I didn't work for Berkeley side. And People's Breakfast Oakland probably wouldn't exist if I didn't join shit. Berkeley side. Hello, black as it is. Like <laughs> this shit wouldn't exist. You know what I'm saying? Because so yeah, that shit. Looking back, it for sure changed niggas' lives. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, I answered that answer that email because Berkeley side, <laughs> I've said this on here before. They misquoted yeah. me so many times, making me into this fucking like a, <laughs> talking about me like I was a terrorist or some shit. They, I mean, I guess they had it. I don't know, man. You know, my fuckers be saying they liberal, but in, dis, in disguise, um, you know that's how that shit be. And it's wild too. Like you wrote that article on Lacant, and then five years later, you know they they just changed the name at, at, at Berkeley. That was the first article that I wrote that I received hella backlash. I didn't know. I was like, out of, out of all the ones, that was the one niggas was like. He was just speaking pure facts. Yeah. Bro, you I know did. them white people in Berkeley side comments, bro. That shit. <laughs> Never read the comments. Bro, side. I was like, what the fuck? Like, niggas was yeah. there. Like, oh, they was. 
Like, I don't forget when, like, all these Black Lives Matter signs in Berkeley and solidarity and white the silence is violence. I don't yeah. forget what y'all niggas was saying when I was writing papers about fucking changing the names of schools or black black students in Berkeley having demands. I don't forget. I'm not for, I'm not forgetting that this is the same city that did that shit. I'm not forgetting this is the same city that called my partner an animal when he was my little nigga animal when his fight got posted online. I think I was like, what? Come on, bro. Berkeley is. Berkeley nuts. Yeah, man. Shit racist as fuck. Yeah, but your journalism, bro, and your writing, bro. I remember reading your shit, and I was like, "That shit's like really some of the best writing I ever seen." I gotta bro. just take your shit for word because I've never read anything I've written. <laughs> bro, I read damn near every article. You and said I have and said I'm a good writer. You said I'm a good writer, and Khadijah said I'm a good writer. So y'all three niggas that wouldn't lie to you. Yeah, <laughs> no, y'all three people who are really Khadijah for sure would be like, I don't know, I don't. You and Aunt might tell me my, my writing to work in a different way, but Khadijah would be like, hey, like this actually isn't that good. Which is <laughs> like which is why I fuck with it. Like so I, I have to assume that I have some some skill at writing. Yeah. Some skill. And you was just telling like some of your experiences and shit too. I remember like a lot of like about, you know, people was talking a lot about Berkeley police and you you wrote about your experience with Berkeley police and shit. And I you know people always talk about Berkeley being progressive and shit and Bro, the most of the racism I like again, I didn't really think about my my encounters at Beehive, but that shit was racist as fuck. You know, niggas got arrested in front of their fucking house. Like, I think any any detective with an inkling of a brain would have let us go home right when they realized that like the, even the timestamps didn't make sense. They really just wanted to put niggas in jail. That's all that was, right? And so, and then after I get out of juvenile hall. I go work out. I think I was with Shitter and Meese. I go work out at Berkeley High. You feel me? I just graduated. My old coach let me let me in to use the weight room. I'm trying to get ready before I go to college. And there's a there's a sign, the Amelia sign in there that's been taken down already. It's like been in there for like a couple months. I remember seeing it prior to graduation. I'm like, I'm gonna take this shit to college with me. We walking down the street, just left Berkeley High. But nigga, we get blurped. I feel like it was Juan. We just seen this nigga yesterday, bro. I feel like he called the police on me, though. Like, there's, I think, I think he, I think a security guard from Berkeley High called the police on me, um, saying like I was carrying a sign or whatever. And it's, it's for sure illegal to, to, I don't know if it's legal to carry signs, but it's illegal to take them like down, right? I didn't take it down. It was in the, in a, in, in the, the shoe. Yeah. We walking down the street with the sign. The cop like blurps us, gets out the car, and slaps the sign out of my hand. I'm like, what was that for? Okay, big guy. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> Bro, you gotta like we as kids, bro. We are seventeen years old at the time. He like get up against the gate. He search us. He searches. We got on workout gear. He like where y'all coming from? I'm like Berkeley High. Where you get the sign from? It was inside the gym. I'm taking it with me to college. To college, huh? I'm like yeah. I'll leave in like two days. He like somebody said they saw y'all taking this sign down. I'm like that's impossible. This shit has been inside Berkeley High locker room for like three months. Niggas make us call the coach. He come and vouch for us. They just take the sign letters like, yeah, y'all be safe type shit. That's like some clan it, shit, bro. bro. It really is. Like, did I, just describe, did I just describe Jim Crow Alabama or Berkeley in 2012? Man. Shit is terrible, bro. Terrible. Terrible fucking terrible. So you're into journalism, you know, really shining in your bag with that. And then, you know. What led you to, to, to podcasting, you know? I think even before that, like, what led you to organizing? I think 
Mm. You know how some people are like, oh, this moment like radicalized me, and I don't think it was a specific moment. I think it was like just a, a evolution of understanding where I, where I, where I fit in society in terms like from a class standpoint, and then from a, a race standpoint. Because you got to think I'm covering shit like oh, Cal students is demanding for a name change, and then you feel me? I'm covering that. Nigga, my partner got shot, feel me, seven times in front of his house. Then on top of that, I'm hella broke, trying to make it to society. So I'm, it was just like all these things coming to a head. Like culmination of And I was variety. doing so much reading, bro, like so much reading and like trying to understand. Like even with the Joseph Lacan shit, like nigga, you know how much reading I had to do to write that piece? Like, I, yeah, bro, that shit was well researched, nigga. <laughs> I was like a New York Times bro, piece, nigga. Like, like, I, dead ass. <laughs> I was at Cal for like five days like in a row in the in Doe Library, like reading up on Lacan, reading up and then from there I had to read up on um the Civil War. I had to read up on the Confederates. I had to read up on how the South came to be as it was, right? So I'm learning about all this shit that I should have been learning in high school, all this shit I should have been learning in college, right? <laughs> learning that Berkeley's named after a slave owner you too. Feel me? Like, I'm like, oh shit. shit. And so you just start to get this understanding of fucking who you are, the history of your people. And then I went to y'all fucking protests. Um, and I don't even know how me and you started. I don't even know how me and you. How do we have our first meeting? I don't because I didn't ask to be a part of ABC. I don't think. I feel like nah, I, I think. Me. Yeah. Also, I don't. I think I just seen y'all riding. I'm like, bro, this nigga hell with fire. And I'm like, at that time, I was like trying to build the comms a comms division. team and like yeah. a real media shit. I'm like, I right, was, um, let's go. I'm trying to meet up with this nigga or some shit. And we met up at what Suya. Mm-hmm. And then we just chopped it up and yeah. it was like, all right, yeah, let's, let's do it. And I was. Just it was kind of just like that. It was like. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, it. Was nigga coming to my understanding of blackness and how it pertains to us being a colonized of Africans being a colonized people and our position on this stolen land. Plus, excuse me, meeting you and having being asked to join this organization strictly from a, like a writing standpoint, and then like coming into my first meeting and realizing, like, oh, these niggas doing this, this, and this. This is like in the heat of the, of the divestment shit. It was like y'all was asking for the divestment and y'all had the demands on campus. Like, oh, these niggas is doing work for real. That was like my full, my, my first real introduction to, to organizing. Yeah. Bro, it's just beautiful though to see all the growth. <laughs> I remember that first meeting, you know, I was like, yeah, we on this self, we on this, trying to be on this militant shit. And you told like, me I said this. I don't believe that, bro. I, but bro, also. I swear to God, I, but it also makes sense though. Like, like <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then you're like, you know, I'm trying to be on, you like, I'm trying to be on that Martin with the King peace shit, man. I, yeah. My whole life been hella militant and shit. Like, I'm over that. <laughs> yeah. I was, when you told me that, I was like, man, maybe I did say that because the nigga was, was tired for real. And like I said, if that was 2015, I think Jim had just got shot too. You feel me? So it was just like, when you see as much gun violence. As you've seen. You feel me? As, yeah. Not just, I seen as myself, but like Experience. so many people yeah. I know. From out there, I think Jim got shot maybe twenty four. I don't know why I'm thinking 2015. I feel like Jim got shot in 2015, 2014, sometime like that. But I had just seen so much violence. I'm saying like, at that time, you're like, all right, the violence has not been working for me. So maybe I do need to try some more like positive type shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then I quickly, I think I was over that in like a month, <laughs> maybe less. He was. You're like, oh, yeah. Because then I read <laughs> Revolutionary Suicide like a, like two weeks later. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. Fuck was I? <laughs> <laughs> violence is the only answer. <laughs> Not only do I need to fuck with, I need to understand that it's the only thing that'll get me free. Yeah. So then, you know, you get into organizing and we, we both in ABC and shit. So what what led you to, to wanting to create a podcast? That nigga Ryan had linked us up, with, linked me up with uh, a nigga out in New York who was a who was a, 
a big journalist at the time and like basically just like took me on like a journalism fucking safari. Like that nigga Ryan, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that nigga so much, bro, because he saw like, and that's why I'm like the moment that nigga had got a little bit of a resource for folks, he instantly plugged his his people. Like instantly, you know what I'm saying? Like that Ryan. Nigga, yeah, that yeah. nigga he sent me to New York, bro. Pay for my shit. Send me to New York, nigga. Um was like I'm about to link you with this nigga. You know, I'm we're gonna see if you wanna do this journey. If you really wanna do this journalism shit, I gotta connect for you. That's just how it was. And nigga took me to everywhere. And on one of the stops, it was like I spent I think I spent like three days with him. And you know how that nigga Adam is, bro. Like that shit, his shit hella structured. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I spent the day with him and we was just going to all these different places. And like throughout the stop, two stops, he did like a radio show and then one he did a podcast. And I was like, what the fuck is this? He was like, oh, it's called a podcast. I'm like, is it like, is this live? He's like, nah, we gonna, you know, for me, cut it up and then put it out after. And I was like, oh shit. Like, that's what I, like, nigga. It was like the first time I like played football. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I wanna do. When I see that nigga doing that podcast shit, I'm like, yeah, this is what I wanna do for sure. Yeah. And then I came back to you and I was like, oh, we had, had conversations around the comms team, was like building out a blog. And like, I'm like, okay, well, if we gonna be doing that. There's this other medium that I wanna try. And there's a podcast. And, I think at first you was just gonna produce and I was gonna host and we did the first episode with with uh Black Neighborhood at Roger Studio. <laughs> that shit really wild. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm trying to be behind the scenes. <laughs> and, and now here I am, I don't even like host it no more. But yeah, bro, that shit it's all these it's be it'd be, it be, it be these little moments that, you know, could shift could shift a nigga life. And I also that's why I see the value in and resources, you know what I'm saying? Because I seen what, it, both of our lives, what it does, bro. Like just having a resource can change everything for you, bro. Could change the tra- trajectory of your life. Because I don't even think I even really, I didn't even really know what a podcast was besides like that app on the phone. But I never really opened it. And he's like, "You want to do a podcast? We off Ashby." I said, "Yeah, I think we was about to go get some wings or something." I was like, oh, "Yeah, it's good, like for sure." <laughs> yeah. And then just got that shit shaking. But that's like the power. Like I think. When you see all those moments in your life, bro, it's like some shit just be divine, bro. Hell like from yeah. going to Idaho, being in journalism to coming back home and to immediately, you know, getting into to journalism and to Berkeley side and Cal High Sports and then, you know, going and out how there. I even got into Berkeley side, bro, was one of my mentors, Nora. Nigga, I'm at the bar I'm at the park with my little brother Dallas, nigga. We he probably was like four at the time. Well, how old is Dallas? Ten? This is two thousand fifteen, two thousand fourteen. This is before I even graduated. I was on like Christmas break or some shit. So this 2014, yeah, that nigga was four years old. I got him at the park playing basketball. Nora is there with her like four year old nigga, four or five year old. And we just sit on the park, like sit next to each other. Sit on the bench, sit next to each other at Yap. And I think our, my brother was playing with her son. And she, I had like a football, I had like my University of Idaho shirt on. She was like, oh, you go to Idaho? I'm like, yeah, she's like, what you study? I'm like, journalism. She was like, oh, I'm a writer. Um, you from here? I'm like, uh, I'm from North Oakland. My aunt lives around the corner on Ashby. She's like, oh, I live down here. Well, if you ever need some help or something, here goes my card. And that's how she she introduced me to the folks at Berkeley side. She edited my first piece. And it was on and cracking. That's why I really fuck with like being a resource for people because. You see what it did for you. Whether it was my partner walking me home to BART, walking me home from BART. You feel me? Whether it was Ryan sending me to New York, whether it was Nora giving me her card. Whether it was this nigga Keenan giving me my first pair of hand-me-down cleats when I was nine years old, you feel me? Like these little moments of people extending a hand shift your entire life, bro. And that's why I be so hell bent on like using my like redistributing 
I don't know if it's re- I don't know if it's redistributing power or like giving re- but I just I'm, I mean it's like the it's like the Sankofa like you're looking back to give you feel me like you're looking back at shit in your life and yeah. moving forward and helping other people out like looking back to give back and I think that's know? what like or paying it forward and simply like and that's what's at the root I feel like of being African bro like that shit is so centered in community and people and family you know what I'm saying and and really being like that's that's the whole makeup of a village when you think about that right it's like everybody can contrib- contributes to the whole. Um, and we lean on one another and we support one another to in, in, in efforts to make everything stronger. Um, and so, yeah, it's divine, like you said. Yeah. So what led you, you know, to co-founding PBO? Like, what was going on in your life at that time? And, and what led you to, to creating PBO? Um, we had just distanced ourselves from, like, I don't know, with the ABC shit, I, I don't know. And what they tell their people how we left the organization, but like them niggas, they sent. I think they sent that little letter out. They didn't send me one, or maybe they sent you one, and, and it had both of our names on there. But like niggas had just left ABC because they had that foul ass, that foul ass um, convention. And I understand it's a it's a place for everything, but I feel like that shit was just hyper violent. You feel me? Like I would never let someone like all of us are transphobic, all of us are homophobic, all of us are misogynist, right? But I are misogynistic, but I would never, like, knowing that I have queer folks in the space, I would never let give somebody a platform to just spew that shit. Like, all right, like, yeah, you feel me? You might, let's say we bring, like, a rapper to do a keynote speech for whatever reason we would, right? We know that this nigga has said very misogynistic shit in his raps. He not about to say that shit on the podium, period. Like, he gonna come into that space and say some shit that aligns with our politics, Period, point blank, right? But them niggas gave a platform to a nigga who said that trans people were fucking science experiments. You feel me? We wasn't fucking with that. We left. We talking about Farrakhan for yeah. y'all. <laughs> we left. You feel me? And yeah. so we left ABC. And at that time, you had just given me fucking revolutionary suicide. And I was reading that shit. And then, you know, through all that, at this time, I'm a nigga, a nigga that's like being radicalized every fucking day. Excuse me, you know, early on in your radicalization, you be about that action. Any young nigga, I was 21 years old. I was with, with it. Um, and so me and you was fucking reading. I was reading Revolutionary Suicide. Me and you was recording a podcast. And we were sitting in the West. And I think it's like, again, it's these culmination of all these things that happening simultaneously. I'm reading this book. I'm traveling back and forth to West Oakland because uh, we have a studio over there now. We're recording the podcast. I'm doing music over there. And I'm seeing the fucking poverty. I'm seeing folks living on the sleeping on the streets, going without food. Um, and I think me and you just I don't know how the conversation started, but the niggas was like, "Bro, we need to start a breakfast program." And I know my first idea was like, "I want to start doing food in front of schools." I'm like, "Bro, we need to be out there every morning handing out food." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "We need to be out there every morning handing out food to the kids." Um, and then you posted on Amazon, you posted on Twitter that we was trying to get like a griddle or some shit. And we was gonna do eggs and bacon for the kids every morning. And then for somehow this shit got it got shifted to serving houseless folks. Um uh, yeah, I remember all the details. And then we ended up having our first little program. I feel like we you know. We I feel I right there I wanted to implement some of the details that people might not have heard yet, because we don't we done other interviews about how PBL started, but that was like the biggest thing was reading the books and shit, being in West Oakland. And I yeah, remember being like, oh, I want to serve food to kids. It was a particular chapter I read in the book, and I was just like, 
bingo, there it is. That's the first start. That's the first step. That's, that's the answer I've been that's looking for. That's the first for. step. Like, what is the first step? <laughs> oh, it's that right Highlight, there. Highlight, circle. All right, first step. <laughs> yeah. I think, too, also what was wild at that time is, like, both of us was just trying to find jobs, bro. Like, niggas didn't have no jobs at that point. Niggas was applying for jobs and shit. Like, we just really tried to do what we could with what we had, you know? And obviously, things have shifted a lot since then, but, like, the foundation of it was really us just trying to do what we could. Yeah. Not really for anything else. You know, I think sometimes people look at us now in certain ways because of the work that we do and whatnot, but it was like at the end of the day, it was just really about people, about helping people. Yeah. That's always what the work has been about, was about been about serving people. But no matter what people want to project onto us because of it and whatnot, but had niggas had no ulterior motives at all. Yeah, cause besides I, trying to align, you feel me? Like we recorded a podcast talking about action, about doing shit, and then we was like, "Nigga, what is we doing? We just about to leave this ABC shit. Niggas now gotta actually do some real work." Yeah, I don't. I don't think people realize how much work goes into like running a breakfast program while simultaneously. I don't know if you was in your last semester of school, but I was also a freelance writer. You feel me? I didn't have that much. Niggas didn't have money. You know what I'm saying? And I had just got into music management at that time too. And like I was a check away from not being able to pay rent. Yeah, that. I was sleeping on my auntie's floor at that time. I couldn't, and so like every little dollar I was able to even. I I know you know people supported us early on, but like how do you think we was able to? All them them first like probably ten programs or so that first year and a half, every dollar had to go to the program. Every single dollar had to go to like buying the food and the hygiene and all that shit. But like, how do y'all think? Like niggas, did niggas have gas to get back and forth to these places that? You know, like, we put a lot of our own money and time into this shit. So that's what I always want people to remember. And that's not a pat on the back. It's to say, like, if you ever needed any more proof that niggas was doing this strictly because of the politics they preached, you should know that, you know, niggas put a lot of their own money that they didn't have into making the program shake. Yeah. And I didn't think about the first big donation we got was, like, that $5,000 that we got from from Dust for his live show. But, like, that nigga first sold out show, he didn't make no money. You feel me? Like, the tickets was $5, and we gave all the proceeds to PBO. Like, every dollar went to PBO. So it's like, that's another. And that was such, like, a full circle moment, especially, yeah. like, for you and also being, you know, where we was recording that, all the podcasts. At, like, I think y'all was recording Kim's son at that time. We was recording Hell Black at that time. We was trying to get that shit jumping. Like, there's a lot of history in that will. In that little warehouse, you feel me? In that little, what container ship shipping container, yep. you know, and that shit really all came came full circle. That was that was that's wild, bro. That, and to think about it, bro, that's not that long ago. That was what twenty seventeen. Yep. Ooh, twenty seventeen. No, twenty eighteen. No, that might have been twenty seventeen. I think it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen was a full circle moment, bro. Like the podcast started in that fucking. Shit, the program started in that little container. His career damn near started in that little container. Yeah. PBO started in that little container. That's what I'm saying. That's it. I still remember, like, it's like, hey, bro, let's, let's talk outside the container real quick. Like, hey, bro, if we finna do this, nigga, we got to do this shit. We got to be, you feel me? Because yeah. we, we got to know what come with it. Remember that? Yeah. Like, we got to know what come with it. And whatever come with it, we got to be ready for that. And niggas, you know, <laughs> have dealt with a lot of shit since, since then. But, you know. Niggas made a shake and probably done at least 30,000 meals since then. Man, we was watching that move shit last night. And I'm like, man, people, it don't matter like what your, 
like as long as the goal is preservation of, of black and African lives, you will be you will be met with violence from the state. And I think that's why like when you see people doing this kind of work and it's not from a nonprofit standard, it's not from no like it's not from that standard, you you know, you really are a group for the people and by the people, that you're going to you're going to encounter violence from the state. And I think that's something that people don't recognize. And that's why I'm like, bro, when we doing this kind of work, like Bro, I have so many different endeavors that I can leave this shit behind for. Like, there's no other, there's nothing else that can keep me involved in this shit except for the people. Because at this point, like, you've, we've even seen that in the conditions that we live in, the time that we live in, you don't have to, you don't actually have to do work. You can just talk. You can be a talking head. You know what I'm saying? And talking don't come with none of the, the danger that, um, it don't come with none of the, it don't come with as much of the danger as, like, actually living and doing the work does. Yeah. 1000%. Cause niggas experienced a lot of different shit just doing PBO, like especially just being really in the field, being really in the trenches yeah. in Oakland. Like, there's been a lot of shit niggas had to deal with because of that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But that oftentimes get erased because niggas ain't really niggas don't understand or even care. I think. I mean, also, I think you know, a lot of people do understand and do care. It's a specific demographic of motherfuckers who only want yeah. to talk. You know, like there are people. Very yeah. That, there, that's what there I, are that's other what I organizers who yeah. can who can definitely empathize and relate to our situation. A thousand percent. You know, like we know hella niggas that's out there doing really good work. The bourgeoisie. Yeah, it's some niggas who just <laughs> don't give the blue check talking point shit niggas. But I don't know, man. I appreciate you uh, doing this doing this interview. I would man, probably never do this shit again. Now that I think about it. Bro, I'm like, man, that shit. Yeah, next week I feel sorry for you, my bro. Bro, that's all. I don't think of like, fuck, now nah, I got to go <laughs> do this shit the next week. But nah, I, I, you know, I appreciate the level of uh, vulnerability that you had within this conversation. And I know that shit was probably a lot because you, you know, talking about a lot of, a lot of different things in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I appreciate the, the vulnerability you had with it. And thank you for sharing yeah, with me. I, I, hope, our, I hope our listeners, you know, <laughs> find some type of value in this shit. I don't know what my main talking points were. My main talking points are being black and poor is tough. Be empathetic with black and poor people. Um, fuck white people. Not all white people, just the white people that don't want to see us li- live and thrive. You know what I'm saying? There's room, room for white people out here, man. I think that's something that get erased a lot. You know, we won't say it enough. It's room for y'all, but y'all got to make room for us first. Straight up. Um, what else do I want to say? I don't know, y'all. I hope y'all enjoy this. I got to pee. Patreon.com slash hellblackpod. The way white people can make room for us is by subscribing to our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash hellblackpod. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, we is probably there. And if we're not there, then shit, there's places where we are. <laughs> so fuck with us on Patreon. Support black podcasters who who follow and learn and are guided by the black radical tradition so go to our patreon patreon.com slash hellblackpie